Bienvenidos a la Chicana Mother Work Podcast. This is Cecilia, Christine, Judy, Yvette, Michelle from the Chicana Mother Work Collective. We are a collective of Chicana, PhD, mother scholars, artists, and activists. The Chicana Mother Work Podcast aims to create a communal space for dialogue that sheds light on how the labor of mothering can be a transformative act within academia and beyond. Porque sin madres no hay revolución. Chicana Mother Work is intergenerational. Chicana Mother Work means carving space. Chicana Mother Work means healing ourselves. Chicana Mother Work is an imaginary. Chicana Mother Work makes our labor visible. Our labor is our prayer. Our mothering is our offering. Hi everyone, this is Ceci from the Chicana Mother Work podcast. I'm here with Judy and today we have two very special guests. Um, we've wanted to have them on for a long time. We've been fans of them and their work. So definitely follow them on Instagram, uh, Latinx Parenting. We're here with Lizette and Leslie. And now we're just gonna have Judy um, share a little bit more about them. Hello everyone, this is Judy. And so let me talk a little bit about Lizette first. Lizette Toscano is a Latina mother to a three-year-old son, she obtained her master's degree in social work at the University of Southern California and hoped to continue ending the cycle of violence in her family and community. Over the course of her career, she has worked in mental health and prenatal has also provided individualized therapy based on the cultural, social, political, and diverse needs of individuals, family, and children. She has worked in in-home out outreach counseling, family preservation program, and advocated for parents' rights to resources. Um, in addition, um, Lisette has also been a lead trainer at Echo Park Parenting, which was discussing and education, where she facilitated and developed professional trainings in trauma-informed nonviolent practices. She also leads and facilitates workshops and classes for parents and community-based organizations, um, LAUSD, and domestic violence shelters. And Leslie out here is Leslie Priscilla Arreola Hillenbrand, is a first-generation Chicana mother to three biracial children, ages eight, two, and under one, formerly an early childhood teacher and behavioral coach. Leslie has worked with children and family over 11 years. She became a parent educator and advocate after becoming a mother. She has a dual degree in child development and family studies, as well as family life education from Cal State Long Beach and is currently a graduate level social work student. She's also trained as a facilitator in various uh, parent education curricula, including nonviolent parenting, positive discipline, supporting fatherhood involvement, and others. She has worked within mental health agencies and facilitated groups for parents in schools, transitioning homes, uh, teen shelters, drug rehabilitation, enters, and family resource centers throughout Orange County, California. Woo! So th thank you so much. It's just like your bios are fire. Yes, well, like, that's a little something. <laughs> just a little, just a little slice, but it's just the work that you've done just on yourself, but also the work that you do for our communities and families is just powerful, immeasurable. So thank you both so much for everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you and, for having us. Yeah, we're so excited. Um, oh, and then um, you may have heard some bebes in the background and that's as moms, part as Chicana Mother Work, part of our policy <laughs> is, um, yeah, it's like our background when you music. support. Yeah, <laughs> our background I, music. I ha I've had to practice that. That's just what it is. Yeah. I, my son's yeah. background is playing with his dad, but I'm like, I, I've tried to close two doors in between us, and they're just that loud. So. Yeah. 
I would apologize, yeah. but I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> oh, no, no, not at all. Yeah, it's just supporting mothers means supporting our kids and our families. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the policy I always, for myself, is um, I've heard, I heard this quote and I never forgot it. And it said, children's noise is, a, is the sound of our movement growing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's why our kids, you know, have to be in our spaces there. They have to be in the work that we do. And if, you know, people just got a deal. <laughs> um, so I think, um, there's a lot we want to jump into. I think one of the first questions that we had is we were thinking about um, what Latinx parenting is. Um, we've seen the work that you do um, online, but also in the uh, parenting classes that you do either on person or online, in person or online. But I think one of the questions before we get into, you know, how do you define Latinx parenting is more so um, I'm interested in how does your um, for both of you, your personal experiences, um, identifying as Chicana Latinas, as moms, but also being um, coming from immigrant families. Um, how has that, um, and the way you were parented, um, how does that overlap with your process of um, reparenting? And I know, and then later, I know we're gonna talk more about um, nonviolent parenting. Yeah, I can go. Um, so I think it's interesting, um, I've been doing a lot of work. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant, and this has brought a lot of like <laughs> my own trauma. Congratulations, Felicity! <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So a lot of it's been an interesting journey because for the first couple of weeks, a lot of my own trauma kind of surfaced around even being pregnant, right, and what that meant for growing up as a from an immigrant family. So just from starting there, I felt like there was a lot of messages like my parents really drilled into to us like you can't get pregnant you can't be a teen parent you can't be this because it was like that would be like the awful the worst thing that could happen to them in terms of their reputation as parents and um i just found it to be really stressful to be um wonderful and beautiful in terms of my resiliency but really stressful to be a daughter of immigrants i mean i had to grow up very quickly Mm -hmm. And um, I'm very mindful of that now with my son, um, now with my new baby, but, it, you know, there was a lot of um, trauma, both that was unhealed from my mom's and my grandmother's side. Mm -hmm. And um, and there, I, I was just speaking to my sister about this. There was a lot of chaos in our home um, because both my parents were working so much. I was actually raised by an aunt and um, she was only 15 when she came to the to the US and they immigrated here here to take care of us to take care of me basically and um and so all these like um sort of experiences have shaped one that I I was the first to move away from home and I had to move away from home because that was my own healing I needed to do that I needed to do this for not only for myself but for my family and um and so there's definitely been a lot of different clashes around what is this nonviolent parenting? Kind of makes fun of it sometimes. Like, oh, si, Lisette, like, con su no violencia. Oh, no, no me pegues. And like stuff like comments that I have to like sort of uh, like hold, but also like understand that it's different. It's completely different world that, the, that we're living in now. And 
Um, and there was all, it was all about survival for my parents. And I get that now, and, and I understand that. Back then, I wish I didn't have it. I didn't have to clean banks after school. I wish I didn't have to um, clean toilets, you know? And then, you know, when I was young, I felt like, man, why am I doing this? It sucks. And now I understand, like, now I can appreciate it more. Um, but a lot of our work ethic, my, my work ethic, my grind has come from my parents. And at the same time, I've also had to think about why and stop and pause as a mother around how much work I'm taking on and how much I'm um, constantly wanting to like succeed based on or, or these, uh, these goals that I have for myself um, based on my parents' experience and what they've sort of instilled in me. Mm-hmm. So um, breaking these cycles of like trauma and, and violence have been really critical for myself, my son, but also for my family. I've noticed that the, allowing myself to leave Salinas and being away from home has allowed them to also begin to heal and see like, oh, that's what those are parts of our family that also need some some repair and some. I've always kind of been the the one in the family to be like, no, this is this is not right. You know, there's a chiquita. I was like, no, this isn't, this isn't okay. And people would, you know, everybody hated me because I was like, so payasa. And like, why is she always saying something? Like, just shut up. <laughs> and I think that's sort of been my experience now um, with my family. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I think there's so many, there's so many things that you shared there, but I think particularly for one of the first things you said was um, being pregnant or being pregnant again with your second pregnancy um, does bring up a lot of these um, maybe unresolved um, issues or traumas. Um, I think particularly for um, a lot of women, but also women of color um, based on the way that we were parented. But I think maybe just on a larger scale um, that could also be related to um, gendered violence in different ways um, yes. perhaps um, and then another thing that uh, you mentioned was um, moving away to heal and I think for um, Chicanos and Latinos in particular um, at least um, in my own case as well I moved away for my PhD program and um, there was a word that I didn't know existed until I went started going to therapy which was enmeshment um, which means what I understand is that it means that um, there's no clear sense of um, boundaries within like um, a family system, like a dysfunctional family system. And I really struggled with that. And I still struggle with that. Uh, What's the difference between um, enmeshment, which is from like a Western psychology kind of term or perspective versus Mm -hmm. um, the context of our Latino families where it's just, much more collective. Um, um, the paradigm is um, different for us, but at the same time, kind of finding that balance of um, healing, but um, within the context of uh, being culturally specific and culturally responsive. Um, and I think that's just been one thing that's just um, been very difficult, but thank you for um, for sharing that. And I think another thing that you said that is also common um, or why maybe why Latinx parenting is so important is you mentioned that you were raised by your Thea partly, I think you mentioned, who was uh, 15 years old. Yes. Yeah, so I think that's another um, 
something that's also very common where a lot of the times we're raised just not only by our parents, but also um, family members or extended family members. So, you know, already all of these things are, there's just so much that is presumed and assumed in like the white parenting world. Um, you know, when I walk through bookstores and I look at the parenting section, like so many of the faces of families, they're just, they're white families. And it's just like, that's not what I'm trying to reproduce in my house. You know, like we need to talk about these intersectional aspects. Um, and I was wondering, um, Leslie, if you also wanted to share about um, your, um, how your immigrant family or background also has influenced um, your experience as a child and a, and a mother, but also maybe, uh, reparenting? Yeah, of course. Um, so my mom came here when she was, I want to say 13 or 14 and started working right away. Um, my dad, they're, they're both from like really big families. My mom has 12, um, siblings who all came to the United States in the early seventies. And my dad is just the only one actually that immigrated out of the group of 10 of them. So it's been really interesting to see the dynamics, um, just like my response to the dynamics of coming from these two very different families. Plus my mom comes from, um, a very rural, like Rancho. And my dad comes from the city. So I felt like I received um, very different parenting from either, <laughs> from both of them. Um, and I mean, I think in terms of like them having immigrated here, I, I, it didn't really like hit me what the significance of their struggle in trying to assimilate their value, the values that they placed on our education um the value that they placed on the familismo piece which i guess i'm so glad that you named the enmeshment piece because it is very western psychology like it's enmeshment and so for us it's like actually it's a it's a value that i think as latinx people we want to hold on to and we want to be able to navigate in a way that respects our boundaries but also um is sustaining to our family groups and our cultural cultural um you know togetherness so i think that you know i relate a lot with what lisa was saying just in terms of like the the identity piece and it's just so complex i'm like where do i <laughs> like where can you begin to really like peel apart the layers of how all of that has has influenced i think myself as a mother I think myself as a daughter, I think um, myself as a professional, like those are all individual pieces that are coming together in me. And I think I'm still trying to understand how all of that operates within me and how I want to express that. Um, I think over the years, I've gained a lot more compassion for the struggle that my parents have gone through and been able to create boundaries with them that, that are respectful. Um, but it's just so complex. And so I think that part of, you know, what we want to model for our children and what we want to model, I think, for the parents that we work with um, when it comes to reparenting is not to say that our parents didn't do the best that they could, but that even when they did the best that they could, there's still so much healing to be done. Um, and it's really our privilege now and the opportunity that we have to be able to engage in these conversations where maybe we didn't have that you know I think there was a quote 
a tweet or something that I read recently that was talking about how our parents were trying to survive. And so we're on their backs now thriving. Um, and so I just thought that that was such a beautiful representation of, of how, you know, being daughters of immigrants, being children of immigrants, all of that comes together. Um, and we can honor their process and also know that that's not our story and that we have our own stories. Yeah, I think that the having compassion for um, our parents, even in the cases of, um, um, you know, because of their circumstances, just maybe they didn't have the access to um, the same kinds of um, resources that we have or because they were in survival mode. Um, I think um, having that compassion, I think also maybe builds that base for um, resilience that we can have because I think another thing that happens is that this healing work can feel so heavy so uh, you know because I'm in, I'm in therapy right now I take my son in therapy and you know every week it's just constant unpacking and um, unlearning and reparenting and I think I read a quote that said something like um, our inner child is our true self and I think that really struck me because I think in our context, particularly, um, I was not taught how to um, heal uh, myself or even maybe the next step was healing the inner child or reparenting because I didn't see my parents do that and they were not able to do that for many reasons. Um, and I think that's why um, parenting can be so triggering uh, when our children um, do something and then sometimes it seems that um, you know we lose it or like we yell or we just have an extreme emotional reaction or um, sadness um, so in the work that you do um, how did maybe those kinds of conversations maybe between the two of you and the training that you have um, how does it all relate to how you envision Latinx parenting or how do you define Latinx parenting? Um, yes, these, these are conversations that we have all the time just in terms of like, how do we, Cecilia, you've taken the, the nonviolent parenting classes via ECHO. Um, and we do want to distinguish also that ECHO was founded by a woman named Ruth Beaglehole, who we were directly trained by and who is our mentor. Um, and so it's, it was originally called the Center for Nonviolent Parenting and Education. Um, and she is no longer associated with the organization. However, she's continuing the work that she's doing um, and building you know, guides and, and keeping community together. So um, I do want to just say that um, you know, the, the concept of nonviolent parenting is different than, um, than the way that it is received, I think, via ECHO. Um, but I think in terms of like the, the work that we're doing, it's really like, it's been a healing and vulnerable process for us to engage with this material and to ask the question consistently, like how does our personal narrative, um, how can we embody nonviolence via like our personal narrative, um, mothers, and how do we then, um, you know, empower or just give permission to others to, to um, use the concepts of nonviolence. And so if anybody is thinking who doesn't understand um, you know, nonviolence, because a lot of times people will say, well, I'm not violent, you know, I don't, I don't hit, I don't spank, um, but violence and body or spirit of a child or anything else, um, including ourselves, and so this nonviolence is really um, what, you know, 
the, the validity during our process, profound internal process that that we have to practice, you know, for, for our whole life. It's really like, let's talk about all the things that we experience and the challenges we experience, which has to do with... Oh, we're kind of losing you a little bit, I think. Oh, it's okay. That it's been... Okay. Um... Uh, a profound process for you to embody this and practice it in your own life yeah um, to talk about it yeah I think um some of the you know one of the things that I really appreciate about the work that we do is that we don't shy away from all of those other things that impact us as a culture and impact us as parents that don't necessarily impact um some of the more like eurocentric um, parenting practices and so we don't shy away from talking about oppression we don't shy away from talking about colonization we don't shy away from talking about systemic racism and so i think that because we're pretty upfront about it it gives people the permission to really grieve and mourn um what's been lost as a result of some of those things and to now step into what she was referring to in terms of um addressing colonization and systemic racism and um mm -hmm. grieving and mourning um grief and loss really related to those aspects i think um it's so important to address that because there's such a lack of this um and uh, uh Lizeth, i don't know if you want to speak to this but um you know because even as a parent when i have gone out to try to get resources it's mm -hmm. just like some of the books i've read is um Raising Good Humans, um, Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids, you know, like the conscious parenting kinds of books. Um, none of those directly, or even books by like Dan Siegel, even though I love Dan Siegel, but even, so all of these books are, don't address those systems of oppression that impact us and our kids every single day. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you want to speak a little bit more to, to, more to that, um, Lizeth? Yeah, definitely. I think what Leslie was off was where we weren't shying away from discussing um, systems of oppression or racism. Um, I think even when we chose our title or our name, Latinx Parenting, we were very clear on who we were serving and who we were wanting to um, bring forth. And um, I remember the call that she made and um, she and I, she's like, I want to do Latinx. What do you think? Do you think that would isolate others? I was like, no, fuck that. <laughs> we got to move ourselves forward because there isn't a lot of spaces or opportunities where we could be seen and heard. Mm -hmm. And so right. um, I think going back to what you're sharing around, um, you know, the parenting pieces or the books or the, even the authors, right, that are all white, um, I, I think that we're break, definitely breaking barriers in those ways where we're, I mean, you see Leslie, she's been going to diversity parenting conferences where that in itself has opened up a different view of parenting versus seeing it from a white lens. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I, I appreciate, I think, what we're doing in regards to, um, I don't think that the work is, that we have a lot of work to do in regards to um bringing forth like more time and more upfront around literature around our experiences and our stories but i definitely mm -hmm. feel like you know it, it's been it, it's been a process and you know even like we just did a podcast with parenting for liberation i believe about parenting being colonized 
we were talking about how there's so very few of us who are doing this work. <laughs> yeah, I think um, parenting decolonized, parenting for liberation, um, Las Doctoras, Chicana Mother work, you know, Latinx parenting. Um, I think another thing is when I think of those, um, I think of even just, for example, like what the concept of safety is. Yes. And, you know, for safety, you know, when they talk about it in like the Western concepts, or even when I took the echo parenting class, the nonviolent parenting, which was a, a amazing. And actually that specific class, I took it with um, a woman who, um, single mom, she's a single mom, Central American, uh, you know, child of Central American um, immigrants or actually refugees really. And so she had, um, you know, trauma from the war, from her parents, intergenerational trauma. But also she shared that she was a survivor survivor of uh, domestic violence from her ex-husband. And um, so I feel like just because I took this echo parenting class with her that she did make it more um, culturally relevant, I would say. But yeah. um, as, a, as a whole, I think, you know, even that concept, concept of safety, like, oh, do you feel safe in your body? Well, when we're raising our black and brown kids, we can't guarantee that safety when they walk out that door, right? Um, and I, I think that's why I've just been, you know, any kind of resource that we have and then the work that you do with Ethnic Parenting is so um, critical, right? Um, in the context of like, um, you know, mass incarceration and police brutality and, um, you know, gendered violence. Um, and I I'm wondering if you can say, um, a little bit more about um, the work that you do around uh, kind of um, maybe the intersection of um, Latinx parenting maybe as a response to um, racism and surviving um, colonial violence. I think before that I, I want to acknowledge uh, um, the said how you talked about how how it's even hard within even the work that we do how our our families even kind of joke around, right? Oh, no, 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 or, you know, these little comments of how we're raising them. It's really hard to, um, one of my concerns is when you do these nonviolent parenting um, approaches, what are some of the resistance or some of the things that you hear from, from families, right? Because I think it's, it's, it's pretty common and it has to do with, uh, with racism and colonialism, as we, as we mentioned, all these things. And so uh, I want to hear more about that. What are some of the comments that you hear and how do you sort of deal with that, especially with our families, right? And so you don't want to, I don't even know what do you call that. It's not it's not they're shaming your work, but it's kind of like how do you how do you do that? Yeah, I feel like um, so a lot of the comments and pushback that we've gotten around um, our work, specifically in our families, but in our work is um, and and not so much now. I have to clarify that that now not so much. When I first started back in like 2011. Um, a lot of uh, Latino families would be like, well, you know, we were fine. Mm -hmm. you know or, um, yeah that's always out, like, but... look at you you're fine right <laughs> yeah but look at, look at you well, like not. you wouldn't be up there or i remember this one specific comment that was like mira maestra usted está bien yeah and like you know there was yeah. there was some resistance around and i hate to um i wouldn't say the word resistance but like i can't find the right word for it right i, I don't know what to call it either i'm like i don't know it's not, it's not um, shame it's just yeah, it's like, it's, it's some, like, I guess, being skeptical of this, of like, what, it, what does this mean? And what would this mean to acknowledge the pain that I endured? And that would mean that it would be questioning all your childhood, 
I would be questioning your parents' decisions. And so I find it very hard, um, especially with my family as well, that, the, that to take time and to pause and to have a lot of empathy and compassion around their experience and their, you know, and their comments. And I've also learned to have a voice around like, to name like, no, but that wasn't okay. Right. Or you are, we actually aren't okay. Like how many of us have to have like have depression or anxiety that stems from early childhood ex adverse experiences. Mm -hmm. So um, we do, I feel like we get some of those and some of those comments and then the comments around like the, just the use of nonviolence. Mm -hmm. um, like I'm not violent. Like why would, why do I have to take those classes? Um, and it depends also on the community we're serving. So if you're court referred, I felt like there was a lot of pushback around just us being part of the system mm -hmm. and having to take these courses. And then it's a big shift when there are parents who are wanting and looking at this, at, at, for example, now who are um, paying and coming to these courses. So taking that into context as well in the experiences is really important for me because I was part, in some ways, I was part of the system when I was teaching at Echo because they were court referred. I had to be there. There, were, there wasn't a lot of choice around coming to these classes. Um, but, but definitely, okay, it, going back to my family, I feel like there's been some, some, some easy way to like say like, yeah, no, eso no se, like no, no le decimos eso, or yeah, yo sé que es tan difícil para ti entender. Like I know it's really hard. It's tan diferente, and just naming the difference has really supported just being real that it is so different and I get it. And it really sometimes shuts them up. <laughs> yeah. And I think another thing that I, and I always thought, you know, some of the arguments within my family, it's like, no, you know, we were teaching to be respectful and, yeah. you know, and that had to do with, you know, I was like, you would hit me to, you know, as a way to teach me respect, but it was, there's a lot of confusion of respect and fear. And I think that was one of the hard things for me because I, when I, when I had my kids, the first one, you know, you want to pay more attention to them and you want to be more careful. And then the second comes, you just start losing it in terms of like, how do I deal with this? My the only way I knew how was, you know, to, to, you know, um, scream at them. And it was to the point where, like, I remember my mom being so frustrated with us that she would just throw the, you know, the chancla, she would throw anything mm -hmm. that she had just, you need to behave. And, um, and a lot of times, you know, our parents felt like that, you know, by us shutting down, it was that we were respecting them, but we're just scared of getting hit again, right? And we didn't really gain anything out of that. And so I think I came to the realization when I kept on doing the same thing my mom was doing to me, to my own kids, I realized, you know what, they're just scared. Then I'm not doing anything. I'm not healing. I feel ashamed, you know, for um, the way I'm dealing with my frustrations. And I'm obviously taking it out on my kids who are more vulnerable. And so those, those are some of the things that how can I get them to understand the message, um, non, you know, nonviolent way and, and give them the respect that I that I want um, as well. And it's, it's, it's been hard. But I think those are some of the things uh, that 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 I would I was facing and how do I break away from the way my parents raised me. Um, and then that's one of the things that my mom, she looks at me and I'm trying to, as I'm talking to my kids in a nice, respectful way, she's just kind of like, ah, uh, you know, whatever, <laughs> yeah, like, well, whatever I, you want to do. And yeah, that definitely adds an extra layer to this work emotional labor, right. Yeah. Of having to hold and um, knowing that this is for the, like, there's a, there's a reason for this and breaking generational trauma, but it's hard when 
a family that you want to have and you, that you want to be able for them to experience in their lives are also are pushing back and it's hard. It's hard to hold those feelings and give empathy for them and reparent them yes. and then go back to reparent yourself and then yeah. repair with your child. It's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Cause you, you know, you do have, at the end of the day, I do have respect for everything she went through. And so here she, you know, it's again, the same thing. It's like, you know, he, how are you judging me? Like we have a great relationship. Um, you turned out fine. Part of the difficulty of that um, emotional labor, how you mentioned is, and then really, really what part of what that healing or reparenting is, is um, coming out of that denial of how deeply some of these um, past behavior and treatment has affected us. And I know um, in my case, and it, it's not the case for everyone, but it is the case for me that just because of the extent of um, abuse from my dad, like I'm no contact with him right now. And I think that might or might not change in the future, but that's just where I am right now. Mm -hmm. And because almost my whole life I have been in that denial of just like, oh, it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. Well, it really was that bad. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> and I think, you know, it's different for everybody, but, um, but that's part of um, what I had been afraid to do to really look at it and, you know, hold myself with compassion and look at my own pain and not dismiss it or, you know, uh, minimize it. And then taking that action for me, which means no contact. And I think that for me that um, in my own journey, it's part of what kept me stuck because I didn't want to go and look at that. Right. Or, um, examine that any more deeply but I think for me um that's what I have to do for my own healing and that looks different for everybody but then you know I think that also goes back to the concepts of um like mourning and loss and it's just there were so many instances in my childhood where I wasn't um you know um held with um compassion or love or care or you know these things I'm trying to give to my son and I think that's why I really struggle because um, in my family, I don't have that kind of um, support to even try to parent in um, a different way because that also kind of feels like, oh, I'm turning my back on um, my family and my immigrant family and they sacrifice everything for me even to be here and to go to school and to make our, our lives better. So I think I do still struggle with that. Um, um, that guilt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think it definitely still comes through. Um, um, to wrestle with that in parenting is just, it's really hard. And I think, uh, I think it goes back, let's say what you talked about, like the one thing that they instilled in us is that hard work ethic, where it's like, that's how I've dealt with it. Just stay busy, stay busy, and just kind of run away from your problems and anything you have just by, and that's a, that's a problem, right? And parents, they didn't have that option, but for us, we have uh, an option, but we tend to occupy ourselves um, with our kids, with everything also has an impact, you know, in our health. Yeah, I want to just chime in because I feel like, um, you know, to, to what Cecilia was talking about and about going no contact and like setting that boundary and feeling like you're turning back on your family. I think, um, that's just so hard. I just wanted to say that I wanted to honor what Cecilia was saying about going no contact with her dad. Um, I've had a similar experience with my mom where I had to just say, you know what, I cannot be in receipt of the work that you have to do. That's your work, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I wanted, wanted to acknowledge that. And also I wanted to say that I think part of 
one of the biggest components that we have or that we try to to have in the work that we're doing is finding our own family right like finding who the people are that are going to support our parenting journey and and really trying to build those communities for ourselves because back in Mexico, back in some of these other countries, the reason why um, people, you know, had so many children sometimes was because they could be free to go and the neighbors were going to watch out for them and the comadres were around and there's a sense of community mm-hmm. that I think that for many of our parents and for us has really been lost. Like, I don't know a lot of my neighbors, you know, I can't mm-hmm. say that I, I relate to a lot of them. And so I feel like it, it also empowers us to say, okay, I don't have this really strong sense of family um, for so many of us, but how can I build that for myself and for my children? And so I think that that's, that's just, you know, it, it, there's a lot of mourning, but then there's a lot of celebration with the opportunity that we have now to be able to to create those connections. Yes, I love that concept of um, the celebration because yeah, I think sometimes it's difficult to like lose sight of that, but it's just the work that we're doing that like the experiencing is doing and um, this building this community uh, of parents of color, children of color. I think it's so um, powerful. And I think, um, I think this was, I, w- I went to a recording with Parenting for Liberation where she was interviewing um, Danny McLean, um, who just published a book about Black motherhood. Uh, we Live for the We, so it was a conversation they had here in LA and um, with Adrienne Marie Brown, and they were talking about the intersection of um, Adrienne Marie Brown's concept of um, pleasure activism, and then with Danny McLean's, uh, her work around Black mothering. And what I thought was so powerful was, um, so Adrian was speaking and she said something like, you know, if the revolution's not going to be fun, if I can't enjoy myself, then I don't want to be there. <laughs> and I think I could apply it to parenting. And it's just like, um, you know, we can, um, you know, parenting can be so joyful. Um, and I think even in spite of um, the you know, institutional racism and, you know, police violence or um, that we're still here and um, and being with our children um, can also be a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, but it, I think what you're saying, it's like, it's also dependent on um, building these communities and that is hard work and it does require us to be vulnerable and to share our stories and um, to have compassion and acceptance. It's, it's really hard work, especially, I think, um, um, there is also kind of, at least for me, a risk of feeling, um, um, like hurt or rejected or especially parenting, like even being judged, you know, I, I think like, um, as if we should be perfect all the, all the time, which is just not even possible. Um, yeah, so I think shame is definitely another, um, aspect that we can um there's a a lot to unpack there too after I had my second daughter my mom was I had asked for like support on Facebook I think I said something like hey y'all like we're in postpartum mode if anybody wants to send me some like DoorDash gift cards like I'm open to it and she called me right away and was very shaming about it and said how can you do that estás pidiendo limosna you're asking for a handout 
And I was just so in shock that I was being shamed for asking for help. And it made me really reflect on on that as a cultural piece too, right? Like we, there's two sides of it where we are supposed to be self-sacrificing mm-hmm. um, and, and supposed to be able to hand. And so I feel like a lot of times we as mothers like don't know how to navigate those two expectations. I think for us as Latina women mm-hmm. and as Chicana women is how do we embody the strength and resilience of our ancestors? Um, and also the vulnerability that has to be, that has to be something that we practice in order to get our needs met, right? Like there's, there's so much, um, that tells us not to ask to get our needs met. And so that's the practice. And, and that's also something that can be really triggering when our children have these really big needs, they're asking us to meet for them. And we're like, well, my needs weren't met. I think we go through this internal process, like my, like you should handle this, um, instead of like attuning and really kind of step into that contained space so um yeah it just reminded me like there is a lot of shame for us kind of women right for how that's something that we're really trying to to say like no we there's no shame in asking for there's no shame in asking for the help or, or the um the systems putting the systems in place to be able to get our needs met now as mothers it's critical yeah that's I love that because that shaming aspect for Latina women, it also makes me think of another aspect of reparenting, which is, um, for me, that means like becoming your own loving inner parent or really um, rephrasing the way that you talk to yourself because I think it's like, yeah, like internalizing that shame and that fear and that survival mode from my parents is what's been internalized in me. And, um, and so that's like one of my constant narratives is just like, I'm not doing enough. Like, so that means I'm a bad mom and I'm just, um, other people are doing so much better than I am. And, you know, it's just like this, um, never ending kind of, uh, script that's just, it's not true and it's just damaging. Right. Um, and so I think part of, part of the reparenting for me has been going to the parenting classes and learning. Like, I think when I did the echo parenting classes, like they even like give us scripts and I like how to, you know, try to figure out, they gave us scenarios of like how to figure out how to, um, to find, figure out the need that the unmet need that your child has and then what you can do and you can model, um, you know, asking them how they feel and um, identify the need and then, you know, attune and respond. And, you know, so all of this was completely brand new to me <laughs> because, you know, and it brings up more shame because I'm just like, well, I didn't get this from my parents. And, you know, so then it's just like, it just keeps going like, um, oh, I had all of these unmet needs as a child. I still have all these unmet needs as like a single Chicana mom, like, with no help at home and then like I don't have family around so then I'm supposed to like meet the needs for my child so um yeah that inner is there any other thoughts you have about how to kind of heal that critical inner voice that's either from our families or maybe even that's also part of like colonization and institutional racism and sexism I think it is, but it's also like internalized oppression, right? Like we feel like we deserve not to receive that support. And so I think for me, what's been really powerful is having like Lisette say, you're being hard on yourself right now. You know, like having 
yeah. somebody like a, yeah. a structured support system where it's like I'm gonna talk shit about myself I mean I'm not like gonna talk shit about myself but when you hear me being violent towards myself and saying I'm a bad mom I want to get called out you know I want to be told that's yeah. not you talking that's your like that's your inner wounds you know that's your um, that's not your voice. That's not the truth about it. And so I think when we build these structures in community, then it's not a surprise when someone says, stop it, you know, stop that. Your, 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 you know, your worth is not dependent upon having a bad day, um, or making mistakes and it's okay. It's okay to make mistakes and we're not going to get it right hundred percent of the time. That's not the expectation here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's so important to have that community where you can feel um, vulnerable yeah. to share those things. And I think, I don't know if like another aspect or maybe for me is um, being um, like identifying as like, well, I'm like a strong Chicana feminist mom. And then I shame, I even shame myself with that, <laughs> you know, like I'm not strong enough or I don't have it all together. Right. So I'm just like, even the empowering kind of identity is also kind of backfiring, you know? Um, but I think, I think what you said is so important because at the end of the day, it's about um, that um, self-love and compassion, even when we do make mistakes and we all make mistakes, right? Okay, I guess we can um, just be mindful of the time. Is there anything else you wanted to share about Latinx parenting, kind of what services you offer or what you envision for the future? If, if you wanted to address any of those things before we wrap up. I just wanted to thank um, the both of you, uh, my good friend, Leslie, <laughs> we, uh, to have the space to talk about this. I think I often talk and share with Leslie how heavy this all is and not having a safe space to be able to to share our journeys and the work that we're doing and to be uh, recognized and validated in that. So I just wanna hold that, like hold that and really in appreciation. Um, and as far as some of the services we are offering right now, we're doing some workshops that are coming up. Um, Leslie's gonna do an intro in, in, um, to nonviolent parenting in Spanish. That'll be coming up. Um, I will be doing a weekend intensive where the we're combining the six classes, six curriculum classes in, in a weekend. Um, and we're going to be doing the ongoing webinars monthly, as well as the parenting, um, six-week parenting series as throughout the year. Um, the hope is that we grow, <laughs> that we continue to grow. I think that that's what we're hope, that's what we continue to see and um, expand our work um, digitally. So that's something that Leslie has, has envisioned, has really wanted, and, and um, I think that it'd be great to be able to spread this knowledge and we want we don't want to hoard it we want to be able to share it and we want to be able to um mm. parents be also allies to other parents and that's the that's like the ripple effect that we're trying to 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 create um so i don't know leslie did yeah. you have anything else yeah i think that that's that encapsulates it you know it is it is rippling it is because when people take our classes and do our workshops, it's like you're there for a little bit, but parenting is a lifelong parenting and reparenting yourself. Like that never ends, you know, like that is something that we're going to have to practice forever. And so as much as we can create the space for people to build their community and to be empowered to go and share this information um, and to support each other and to be advocates for each other, even if it's just 
releasing judgment of each other, you know, when we mess up. I think that that's, that's our, our hope is that this is um, a movement, a movement for social change and a movement for, you know, our equity as a culture and our thriving. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and this work is so important. Like, I think one of my dreams is, I was like, well, I would love to see, like, um, a Latinx parenting book. Like, mm-hmm. I know Parenting for Liberation is coming out with a book. I mean, obviously, the Chicana Motherwork Anthology, but um, I think there was also another book you posted about or you told me about, Leslie, the Time's Up book uh, related to parenting or parents of color. I don't remember the exact title. But, yes, um, I do want to shout out. Yes, it's called Ring the Alarm by Nikolai Pizarro. Oh, Ring the Alarm. Okay. Yes, it's the only book that I have found that is, you guys should get a hold of her actually. <laughs> but it's the only book that I have found that is specifically for Black and Latinx caregivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has a wonderful Instagram page too, at Raising Readers. And so that's a, a really good resource that I encourage people to visit and follow. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mujeres. I know that my uh, my sound was kind of in and out. And so thank you for your patience with that. Oh, no. Thank, yeah, thank you. Thank you both for making the time. And, you know, we're so excited. We're all moms. Actually, like just before we started the call, I was like, rushing home from dropping my son up at school and my computer I'm recording on my phone because my computer's in the shop and I was just like oh my gosh like but then you know we just find ways to make it work as moms right yeah so um so thank you both for your time and for having this conversation with us I, I hope that um we'll still be um in contact you know hopefully we can um make collaborate in the future um but uh, it's only the beginning, and I'm just, I'm really excited to see where Latinx Parenting, um, how it grows, and um, and how we can support you all, too, right? Thank you so much. <laughs> Please don't forget to follow us on social media at Chicana Motherwork on Instagram and Facebook, and at Chicana Mothers on Twitter. And please rate our podcast so people like you can find us. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. We want to thank Dr. Marta Gonzalez for giving us permission to use the music of Entre Mujeres Sirena for our intro, El Vagabundo from Quetzal for our outro. To purchase our book, you can order it through the University of Arizona Press, and you can find the link on our website at chicanamotherwork.com. If you want to book us for events, email us at gmail.com or for any other question or to engage with us we look forward to hearing from you